Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. There is a gentleman that is a dear, dear friend in the studio right now, and we have a segment on my program called Dr. History, and here he is, the general practitioner of history. That's a good way to put it. That was that was pretty impressive. Like How did you that. come up with that? Well, thank you. Uh, you're excused now. You can go home. And uh, what are we going to talk about? Well, today? if I got up and left right now, you'd really be. No, let's not go there. We had a, we had a private discussion just okay. a minute ago, and you know how mad right. I can okay. get. All right, let, okay. let's, we'll just move right on into this. Uh, good man, good man. So let me ask you this question, Zeb. When you think about lost gold mines and stuff like that... Automatically. Okay, so what are some of the states that you would think of? Arizona, Lost Dutchman Gold Mine. Okay, um, others, other states. Uh, California, and okay. I can't think of the name. It was by Placerville, California, okay. and I can't think so of the name so you're thinking of, of Arizona, California. Yeah. Montana. Well, those, uh, how come Somewhat, I- Yeah. So how come Idaho didn't come right off the top of your head? Are you chastising me for not saying that? <laughs> yes, I I am. don't need any more of that today. <laughs> All right, here we go. You know, uh, not too many hunters of lost mines consider Idaho worthy of consideration. I didn't know that they yeah. had a lot of gold. Yeah, so that's what we're going to go into. Wasn't it primarily silver? Silver and gold, yeah. Oh, I you see. You bet. Okay. So, you know, the placers and the loads that were mined are well known. A lot of There, there was a lot of mining in yeah. Idaho, you know. Yeah. But uh, in addition, something over a billion dollars in gold was taken from old Idaho mines that were developed following accidental finds. A billion? billion. And this is back then in the 1800s. So Jeff. that's how you started your chiropractic <laughs> business. Right. I found gold. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> But there were also discoveries that, for one reason or another, are well known only to a few men. Some of them were what we would call lost before they were ever worked. Really? And that's what we're going to talk about, the lost mines of Idaho. Really? Yeah. And there are several. And uh, this may surprise you. Are some some of of them pretty close to here? Actually, there is. And we'll get to that one. Okay. (laughs) And you and I might just have to go looking. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the more famous and long sought was discovered by a young greenhorn in 1863. Now, this guy was employed by an Idaho packer that was running a string of horses and mules to the Montana mines. Now, unable to get an experienced man and in a hurry to get going, he hired this young man. Well, the train carrying gold and other freight moved south from Virginia City down through the Monida Pass near present-day Spencer, Idaho. Now, geographically, for my list, for the listeners, this is uh, straight north of Idaho Falls. Okay. Uh, up by the Montana-Idaho border. Oh, okay. Monida so, Pass. Yeah, right. you're going through that area. Yeah, in the little okay. town of Spencer. Right. But, so they were going through there. And uh, anyway, some of the mules and the horses strayed off during the night, uh, you know, grazing like they do. Well, the young man, who by then had learned to follow a trail of tracks, was sent to try to find the stock. Okay. Now, while tracking the animals, he came onto a low-lying ledge at the base of which were some fragments of kind of a rosy, speckled quartz. Okay. Now, he didn't know what it was, but he filled his coat pockets with this, what he called, pretty rocks, and then he found the pack animals and drove them back to camp. Well, the train proceeded on to Salt Lake City. They delivered the freight, loaded up merchandise uh, to go back to Virginia City, which, uh, again, our listeners should know that that's kind of in the southwestern corner of montana you've been have you 
Virginia. See, I was thinking of the other Virginia City in Nevada. No, this is Virginia City and Nevada City. That's oh, in, okay. You're the, going up north. Yeah, okay. but in, Monta- right. in Montana. Okay. So they were loading up stuff to take back to Virginia City, and it was only then that the Packers saw these, quote, pretty rocks that his helper had gathered. Well, on inspection, they interested him enough that he had a quartz, uh, had the quartz assayed, and he wasn't surprised at all when it ran $25,000 in gold to the ton. He was packing that kind of yeah, rock in his pocket? Yeah. 20, uh, 25000 and I don't know exactly how they do that assay stuff. So what happened to the kid? Did he remain a rich man, or did they take well, it from him? Well, we're going to get there, Well, Zim. I wish you would. <laughs> okay. i got to keep you on the edge of your seat. I am. All right. So hitting the trail, the packer made straight for the old camp below the Idaho-Montana line. Well, the youth took him in where he thought he had found the courts, but of course it wasn't the right spot. After a week of hunting and looking, they couldn't find it. They went on to Montana. Really? And in succeeding years, there were others that looked a little bit never was found. So it's still there? It's still there. Let's go. <laughs> well, there's snow up there right now. So, oh, chicken. All right. So the next one. Now, you asked if there was something close by. Okay. On the Upper Raft River area, which right. is not very far from us. Yeah, let's right go. Here, okay. guy by the name of George Wilson came into a 10-inch vein of dark quartz filled with gold. Right. Oh, my. Now, the rotten ore just kind of fell apart easily, and the gold was recovered in uh, little tiny pieces. You mean it was laying right out in the open? Yeah, just on this little this 10-inch ledge or vein of gold. Over at Raft River. Over in the upper part of Raft River, yeah. But it came out in sheets and in nuggets. I mean, just... That's what George Montgomery had in his pocket the other day. Okay. Okay. I don't know who that... Anyway, okay. Anyway, so he gathered up as much as he could and loaded it onto his two burrows, and Wilson went into Burley, and... No kidding. Which is right by us, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. obviously you live there. I'd there. say obviously. It's pretty close. Yeah. So he went in, and he sold the gold, and he didn't keep anything secret about the strike. He was telling everybody and anybody that would listen. That's dumb. That was, and this happens time and time again. You know, really, in the Old West, they talked too much. They did. But, you know, there's quite a few that prepared to return with him to stake their own claims. Yeah. They were going to go with him. So when you stake a claim, pardon me, how much of a variance or how much width or land do you have to have in between each claim? You know, I, that's a good question, and I don't know. I've been reading about the Alaskan Klondike, yeah. and when they staked a claim, they had so many feet by so many feet. So it was like a square. I see. So, but here, I don't know. if uh, That's a good question. I need to find that out. Okay. So anyway, the night before they were get, getting ready to go, Wilson got into an argument with the dealer in a poker game. The dealer, who had been accused of sh- cheating, shot Wilson twice through the chest. Wait a minute. This is the guy that found the gold. This is the guy gold. that found the gold. It didn't do him much good. No. Two friends of the prospector standing nearby, they retaliated by shooting the dealer dead. This sounds like it could get serious. <laughs> it already is. So they buried Wilson. The prospecting party went out uh, into the southeast near the headwaters of the Raft River. Yeah. But even with all the description, he told them where it was. Uh had they still could not find his strike, nor has anyone found it to this day. And most professional hunters believe the Wilson mine is between right now between Almo, the, the little town of Almo, and where State Highway 30 crosses Raft River. I've got to call Carnell Erickson. He better be up there with a pick and shovel at <laughs> one o'clock. Yeah. Hey, we've got a caller with a question. Okay, caller quickly. You're on the air. 
No, it isn't a question. It's just information. A load claim is 600 feet by 1,500 feet, and a placer claim is 20 acres. Okay. Wow. How did you know all that off the top of your head, lady? She's gone. <laughs> she's gone. Well, now we know. I that appreciate it, that. I know that lady, and she's very, very smart. It, so very it's a specific smart. amount of land, uh, either feet by feet or, or and acres. so a claim jumper is a guy that's going to basically jump into your, your property. Area. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's move on to another one. Oh, another right. one. 1888, a guy by the name of Bill Tyler and Sam Goddard, they were on a bear hunt, and they were in the southwestern corner of Clark County. Uh, kind of rough country, but uh, they just, you know, out hunting. But anyway, Goddard found a place where the rocks were really heavy. Well, and this interested him enough to gather up about 50 pounds. He carried them back to camp. Wait, but, wait, 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 wait. He carried 50 pounds of well, rock I think in his he pocket? had a horse. Oh, okay. <laughs> he had a horse. All right. Um, he doesn't say that, but I'm going to say he had a horse. <laughs> I'm not going to carry 50 pounds of rocks. (laughs) You're not big enough. I know. Anyway, uh, they didn't think much about the ore. Nevertheless, uh, the stuff was taken to Du Bois. And and now this is also in that same area up there by the Montana-Idaho border. Okay. North of uh, of Idaho Falls. Okay. Okay. So anyway, the assay was made, and it ran, ran 800 to 1,200 ounces in silver to the ton. So gold and silver were the two biggest things. That were found in Idaho. And it was just laying on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy so God. anyway, they were pretty happy about that, and they were going to be rich men. Well, uh, they rushed back to their bear hunting camp on uh, what they call Birch Creek, but they could not find a trace of the silver ore after three weeks of searching. Never found. Never found again? Never found again. I want to go back to the one at Raft River. Pinpoint to me a little closer the location as to where that was found. Okay. If you go up through uh, Albin, Elba, over to Alamo, before you go into the City of Rocks. Okay. Then you head over towards Malta, which would be more like a, kind of a northeastern direction. Okay. Yeah, but that's big areas. Ed. Yeah. That's, I mean, but we can do it. We can, Okay. We'll load we up can your, do it. Load up your horses. We'll use your pickup. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get another one in here. Okay. All right. This one's called the Lost Texas Jack Mind. Texas Jack. Texas Jack, and it's probably the second most famous in Idaho. Okay, so there's a guy named John. They call him Texas Jack Johnson, John Johnson. Okay, he died suddenly in Salmon City in 1886, having come there to spend the winter. And for the five preceding years, he had been bringing in and selling raw gold in large amounts. No kidding. Yeah. So they found in his personal effects, there was some ore that assayed at 3,000 ounces of silver to the ton. He had brought in and sold gold, not silver, which would have had had to be smeltered. Found also was a hand-drawn map of his silver mine, accompanied by detailed instructions on how to find it. Uh-huh. Now, from the wording, it apparently was intended for a, a relative or a friend or something. That's why he drew the map. It wasn't just to give out to everybody. But anyway, Johnson seemed to have realized that he was uh, going to die because he actually he was sick. He had yeah. tuberculosis. Yeah. Well, the map, um, uh, you know, d- despite them having a map and the instructions... Uh, 
prospectors who went forth to hunt the Texas Jack Mine failed to find even one of his old campsites. No, no where and, was this is located primarily? Um, let's see. Now, I'm not sure exactly where this one was. Oh. It doesn't really say. Okay. But it was in Idaho. Okay. Somewhere. Anyway. All right. Well, that leaves So there's open. another one. Never found. Never found. All right. So here we go with another one. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, there's a lot of what they call lost burrow mines in the far west, but one in Idaho resulted in the greatest discovery of silver and lead in mining history. Now, this name you're going to recognize. His name was N.S. Kellogg. Oh, well, they named, named a town after Exactly. Him. Okay. Well, uh, he was a carpenter. He was out of work, and he persuaded two merchants to grubstake him to $20 worth of goods and prospecting stuff because uh, he wanted to go into the mountains. And uh, anyway, uh, one of the nights, uh, uh, his three burrows strayed. How many times does that happen? They're out Every looking for stray- story. They're <laughs> looking for the doggone jackasses that well, got away. Well, maybe they were smarter <laughs> than we think. So he was trying to find them. Kellogg sat down on an outcropping of rock, just kind of sitting there like we would, picking up a few small rocks around his feet, and he was surprised by their weight. Now, that's got to be a clue, Zeb. If we're out in the mountains and we pick up some rocks that are really heavy, Maybe we better take a look. Well, you right? know, I, I'm picturing this guy sitting on a ledge picking and up a picking rock. up a rock and saying, "Oh, he's throwing rocks down yeah. down the hill into you know, the river." Whatever, yeah. What would you do if you threw one that was gold? I'd be in that river in about two seconds. <laughs> well, I don't know if he knew that, but oh. so anyway, uh, he got a sack, filled it up with the the best specimens, and during the following week, he found uh, nothing else. Uh, so he returned to town. Well, when his grub stakers expressed disappointment over Kellogg's failure. To produce anything, he said lamely, he kind of said, well, here, I've got these rocks. You want to take a look at these rocks? So the rocks he brought back were assayed. They proved to run almost pure silver. You're kidding. Pure silver. Wow. Well, his grub stakers asked where the ore had been found, and Kellogg uh, said, well, 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 I'll go show you. So, uh, But he couldn't find the exact source of the silver where he'd been sitting, okay, again. But he kept uh, hunting, and while his backers began to write him off as being a crook, they kind of thought, yeah, he just made this up. But how could you make up the assay of that silver? No kidding. So one afternoon, when Kellogg was about to give up, he came onto a ledge that resembled the one he'd found before. He knocked out enough samples to have it assayed. It proved uh, to be high-grade silver. And actually, a lot of people don't know this, but it had a big percentage of lead, which also was a good thing. Really? In the same stuff. So uh, the mine uh, then developed was called the Bunker Hill Mine. Oh, for And you've heard of that. Yes, I have. And another one uh, called the Sullivan Mine, Uh both right up there in northern Idaho. And he took the net profits and started the (laughs) Kellogg Cereal Company. Well, you just wait, Zeb. (laughs) So... uh, you know, they became the greatest producers of silver and lead in the world. In the world. Wow. Millions were taken from these two mines. The town of Kellogg, like we said, was named for the prospector. And he got nothing from the two mines because he lost a lawsuit filed by his grub stakers on their claimed rights for $20. Oh, you've got, got no- to be he kidding got nothing. Me. This guy got nothing? <laughs> well, you know, but here, you know, he, he knew that his previous discovery was even richer. The first one that he found yeah. that he couldn't refine. Yeah. So he searched the mountainsides hoping and ho- that he'd find it, and he never did. Is he still up there? 
He probably oh is my. wandering those like hills. Like Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> he could be. Okay, I think we've got time for one more. Don't You've we? got another lost oh, mine? Oh, oh, I'm just getting going. Oh, my. All right. Now, uh, historic Florence, which is south of Lewiston. Uh, up in my aunt was named Florence, Florence, and she was historic, too. Was Let me tell you. <laughs> well, this is up for our listeners. Lewiston is up uh, kind of in the northern part of Idaho near the uh, Washington border. Okay. Okay. So, historic Florence, south of Lewiston, has a number of lost uh, placers and load mines. Gold was discovered there in 1859. By 1860, the entire Salmon River region was swarming with prospectors from every state and several foreign countries. And one of the most notable discoveries was that made by a guy by the name of Pablo Sanchez and Manuel Hernandez. Now, these guys were Spaniards from California, and that's the two guys we're going to talk about. Now, uh, other miners made things so tough for them that they packed their fur... Bur- <laughs> fur... <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Yeah, okay. let, You're on your own, Let me buckwheat. get my tongue back around this. <laughs> so the, the, uh, anyway, they packed their four burrows with supplies to last a month. Once they found them. <laughs> yeah. Then they went east, completely away from the gold fields okay. where the fortunes were being made overnight. And by shooting wild game, they extended their food supplies through two months. And returning to Florence in September of 1860, they unloaded sacks of dust and coarse gold from the boroughs, an accommodating merchant from whom they bought supplies shipped the largest part of their recovery north to Lewiston by a pack train. So they had found something somewhere. Okay. okay. Now, the two prospectors were gone before the news got around of this enormous amount of gold they had brought in. Now, the merchant, he had an idea, had no idea where their strike was either. But a month later, they were back with about the same amount of gold, this time... There was uh, a little more excitement about this whole thing, oh, and oh. people were trying to get information. And uh, anyway, Sanchez and Hernandez they were aware that they're uh, they were kind of in a precarious situation because you know here you are with all this two times bringing in a whole bunch of gold, and so what they did is they left in the middle of the night, uh-huh. which is a smart thing to do. Sounds like a chiropractor. <laughs> anyway, after their first camp, the prospectors discovered that four men were coming along their trail. Uh-oh. Now, even worse, a large party had held up some distance to the rear of these four trackers. Okay? So they got a whole bunch of people Holy behind them. Holy smokes. You got them. the whole doggone town after yeah. them. Well, the next day, Sanchez and Hernandez remained in camp. They knew they were being watched closely. They cooked their meal, ate. So they didn't have anybody else with them except just the two of them. The two of them, followed by those other four guys, Ooh. followed by a bunch more behind them. Anyway, so they uh, they cooked their night meal, they bedded down, and shortly after midnight, they packed the burrows and streaked on east, well north of the Salmon River Canyon. They didn't so streak is... <laughs> on east on a burrow. Okay, well, they made a, a good time. Good time. <laughs> okay. Now, the trackers, however, had almost caught up with the prospectors by the next sundown, so Sanchez and Hernandez... I lost them. <laughs> Here they are. <laughs> So they remained in camp again, okay? He and, didn't number the pages, folks. Yeah, so, okay, here we are. So here's Sanchez and Hernandez. They were in camp again, just kind of quietly going on about their business. And uh, anyway, uh, when going through some of these deep creeks and running south into the river, they saw a chance to escape. 
Okay, they found a way they could get away from these guys that were trying to follow them. Yeah. And there was a really rough trail near the headwaters of a creek, and this led them through a canyon and beyond what they figured they were safe. So they thought they'd pretty well lost these people who were trying to follow them. Well, the tracking party, after three weeks of trying to find them, couldn't find them. So they returned to Florence, and they were kind of mad about this because they really wanted to find this where they were going. Well, they reported that uh, uh, it is a certain that the placer of Sanchez and Hernandez was in one of the canyon creeks emptying into the Salmon River. So we know that it was up in that uh, wilderness area somewhere. But in less than a month, the Spaniards returned to Florence picked up their money from the merchant, and traveled on to Lewiston. There they took a boat downriver and went overland to their homes in California. Wow. So they, they got away, so to speak, almost. So their lives were spared. Well, let me keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, like I said, they went back to California. And uh, when he was questioned, the merchant said that if the amount of gold they took to Lewiston was even half as much as they brought in on the previous trips, Sanchez and Hernandez had surely taken uh, at least a half a million dollars from their mine, from Holy their placer. Holy smokes. Well, the figure stunned the local miners, although some placers had pre- produced, you know, a lot. But the Spaniards getting a half a million? And that was unthinkable. Yeah. That was so. Anyway, now that winter, several parties of prospectors went to the north creeks of the Sandy, uh, the Salmon River, uh, hunting for this bonanza. A they found a crude one-room cabin with a flat dirt roof, and it was found on a creek. And Sanchez and Hernandez had obviously stayed there from time to time, so they knew they were right in that area. But careful prospecting of the canyon brought no color, no gold, and the cabin was the only overnight stopping place. Well. Some supposition existed that the two Spaniards had worked out a pocket of gold, and that's why when they left, the, the, why they left the country. Now, in May of 1861, they showed up again out of California in Florence with pack burrows, and they were kind of hanging around, not being in too big of a hurry. But they did leave one night and managed to get away without being seen. Well, the miners who tried to track them down never picked up the trail. Two months later. Uh, two men uh, going to Florence found both Spaniards dead in a camp not four miles from town, Holy from the town of Florence. God, really? Uh, their burrows were still kind of hanging around, although the men had been dead at least two weeks. Their few possessions were scattered about. Their pockets had been opened and taken. Wow. Uh, anyway, they just uh, they were killed by robbers. Whatever gold they had was carried away. And anyway, nobody ever found what the Spaniards had found. Holy so another God. lost mine somewhere up in that Salmon River area. Well, I think we're out of time, but I, I, I will say this, that I think it would behoove you and I to get our gear together and head out tomorrow for the one at Raft River. <laughs> okay. Okay. We know that's close by. Oh, we can. We should let's see. Tomorrow's what? Wednesday, if we by leave Thursday. after the program. Yeah, we should be in the bank by, by what? Thursday Friday afternoon. Morning. Yeah, Thursday afternoon, Friday yeah. morning. Yeah. Okay. Making a big deposit. Yep. <laughs> Watch out behind you. <laughs> Don't lose your burrow. I almost said something else. <laughs> Got to run. Goodbye, Zeb. Yeah, goodbye. Dr. History, we'll see you next week. Thank you. God All bless. Right.